There's no one else in this world like you. There are billions of people on this earth and you can design yourself to be whatever it is you put your mind to. No one else has the power to do that. And that is such a, it's such an overwhelming thought to know that I have that much power to make my life or make myself who I want myself to be. From somewhere around the world, welcome to the Black Women Travel Podcast. Hi, my name is Wanda Duncan, and I'm so glad you're joining me as we explore the paths of Black women who've made travel a large part of their lives. Welcome to the show. Thank you for joining us today. Can you please tell us your name, where you're from, your current location, and the name of your business? Hey, everybody. My name is Anquanet Gaspard, or also known as Q the Cruisian Foodie. And I am born and raised in St. Croix in the U.S. Virgin Islands. And I currently am, I still live, I live there right now, but right now at this very moment, I am in South Florida in the um, Broward County area. And the name of my business, I have a few of them, but Cruisian Foodie is my brand where I am a food and travel entrepreneur, freelance writer, blogger, social media influencer. And then I also own Virgin Island Food Tours, which is a walking food tour company in the Virgin Islands in St. Croix specifically, where I share the food history, culture, and architecture of the island with visitors and locals of St. Croix. So were you born the life of the party or did you have to like work up to that? (laughs) Um, I would say it's something that I worked up to. Um, I was, I'm the last of four, I'm the only girl. And so with growing up with boys, it was more rough housing and sports and things like that. But um, as I got older, you know, graduated high school, went into college, really started embracing my Caribbean background and all the bacchanal that we like to partake in. Um, That's something that kind of developed over time. Speaking of bacchanal, so we have to talk about carnival, obviously. Of course. I do want to get like more into like who you were when you were little and your progress as a human being. Sure. <laughs> but um, so bacchanal means wild. That just means like yeah, no, I'm not not wild as in no control or no, you know, you know, like when people think of wild, like lively. It's like, yeah, it's like lively. It's like no holes barred. Kind of like anything goes in a sense. And you just free up yourself, as we like to say. Like, you free up yourself in the bacchanal because you're not concerned about who's saying what, who looking at you, who mother might, who might call your mother and tell them that you were acting crazy in the party. Like, you just, you just there to have a good time. So that's, that's part of the bacchanal. So you were born and raised in St. Croix. Yes. So I is what you call a cruisian. So I was born and raised there. So I talk with accent. So just how I talk, you know, it's how we don't typically talk, but um, increase it by maybe two or three <laughs> notches because we talk really fast. But trust me, how sometimes people talk to me, I like, wait, did you just say? Because, you know, they talk so fast and I'm not clear. But yeah, born and raised in St. Croix. Um, we are a U.S. territory. So I have a U.S. passport um, and many of the 
I think the blessing of being from a U.S. territory, but being from the Caribbean is that I still have that Caribbean background and upbringing. You know, so you walk into a office or you pass somebody on the street, you always say good morning, good afternoon or good night. Uh, we see it as a, a lack of brought up, see, as you say, or, or lack of being brought up correctly. We see it as a lack of brought up, see, if you walk into a room or you walk into an office or even pass somebody in the street and you don't say good morning, good afternoon or good night, you know. Um, but then on the, on the flip side, having the ability to travel more or less freely and go to the U.S. and, you know, go to the malls and, and do the different things and have vacations and have access to those things and that quote unquote freedom, if you will. That's, you know, the benefit of that, you know. What else does it mean to you to be Crucian? Oh, I would say it's just a, a pride. It, there's, there's a pride of being born and raised in St. Croix. It's not something that I can easily put into words. It's, it's as if when you're born and raised there, um, like I said, having that, that, you know, upbringing of, you know, being proud of where you're from and having such a close-knit community and, and being kind of one, you know, because as a small community, everybody know everybody. I had to tell people we're all one degree of separation. So if you go to the grocery store, the bakery, you're guaranteed to know somebody that's there. Or if you don't know them directly, you know somebody who know them. And I think that close-knit feeling of like never being alone, you know, I know that I'm always... I'm always protected. I'm always covered. Like as a Crucian, wherever I am, once another person from the VI is there, like they get me, they, they got me in that sense, you know? And I, I like, I like that about it. Sometimes is that a little too close though? You know, everybody being your business, yes. especially when it can you be. The, <laughs> doing grown folks yeah. stuff. Yes, ma'am. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so that was my biggest, I guess when I moved back home, so you know, I left home, went to college, undergrad, did my grad school, and then I lived in Europe for a little over six months. I lived in Spain before learning Spanish. I was in the UK for some time, kind of traveled throughout Europe. And then I decided to move back home and start the food tour company. And I always knew I wanted to move back home. It was never a question about that or any doubt in my mind. I knew that it was going to happen. I just didn't know how or what it was look like. But this time around, like, I ain't working for nobody because I, I just can't. I can't deal. I have too much in the infrastructure for me to have to walk into it for anybody. And, you know, moving back home, it was like, oh, my God, I love going into the bakery and they know my order. And I like going into the supermarket. And the person who cashed me out last week is a person cashed me out this week or running into a family friend or a past classmate. And that's great. But sometimes you just want to disconnect and not be seen. And being that as Crucian foodie, being the person who writes about food and travel specifically of the Virgin Islands and the Caribbean, people, people know who I am. I'm quote unquote, a local celebrity. So even if I try to do a staycation and I go, I go to eat in the dining room, I'm guaranteed to see Crucian foodie. I just want to be by myself. <laughs> come on, celebrity. So that status. can be. So that listen, my brothers will come because I have three brothers, right? So they would come to St. Croix to visit or whatever, and we'd go into you know a local watering hole that I always go to. I'm lit. It's like at my cheers, you know. You walk. I know I'm dating myself, but you walk, and it's like, hey, Norm. Hey, I'm I'm Norm, and 
<laughs> in this situation. So my brother would be like, all right, because you're the Beyonce of St. Croix. I was like, please stop. Don't do that. <laughs> but it can be a little, it can be a little much where you have to get on a plane to get away. So I always tell people, I need to get off island every 60 to 90 days to maintain my sanity. So of course, with everything going on with the novel coronavirus, I've been losing my ever-loving mind. Hence the reason why I'm in South Florida now, because I hadn't been on a plane since March. Yeah, it seemed like it was kind of getting to you a little bit, <laughs> or a lot of it. <laughs> yeah. You just, you get you get stir crazy, like, okay, all right, let me, it was like, all right, well, let me explore my backyard. Let's St. Croix be my travel space. But then everything was closed, and you couldn't do this, and you couldn't go here, and you couldn't go there, and you know, for the most part, I'm good with staying home. When, I, when I'm home and I'm in St. Croix, I don't need to go out all the time. It's, it's cool. But the minute I touch on a plane, I want every panda knocking I want to be. I want to be where it is, you know? So um, it wasn't too crazy for me, but it was more so I'm not able to travel and have that freedom. And that was the part that was, that was nerve-wracking. I think you're speaking to a lot of the travelers who listen to this show. <laughs> we, we are all in this together. Uh-huh. Not like them airlines and such. She was charging us those over bag, over uh, overweight Let, baggage. So isn't it crazy? Like for me, like what this moment has taught me. I mean, I've, I've learned a lot in this moment, but the fact that these airlines are losing money hand over fist, like they blink and they lose in millions by the second, you know? And then they're like, oh, no, no, no. We're not going to charge you any change fees. Oh, so you didn't have to charge me $200 before United? You you had just like taken my money? <laughs> you know, and now they're taking away that. American Airlines is taking it away. So clearly you guys are able to operate at a profit without these change fees, but you were just like, we are, we are just take all of your money, you know? And it, it's a little infuriating where brand loyalty is not as it was before because everybody is just about the dollar. So you don't feel the need to be loyal to brands or airlines like you did 10, 15, 20 years ago. Yeah, I don't think they really care. I, I don't know that I've ever no, spent enough don't. with any one airline to have that kind of mm-hmm. expectation or relationship. But I mean, from my perspective, it just seems like capitalism is going to capitalize. So here's the challenge. Being from St. Croix or living in the Caribbean, we don't have as many options as you would in the mainland of the U.S. So by that, I mean, American Airlines is the main airline flying out of St. Croix. You don't have any other option or the options are slim meaning American Airlines has pre-COVID two flights a day that would fly out to St. Croix directly to Miami. JetBlue was there at one point, but you always have to connect through Puerto Rico. So it's the, and the, the, the um, layover was always between two to four hours. Nobody don't want to do that. And then you have Delta that would come, but only on certain days of the week during a certain time of the year, i.e. our high season. So it would be every Wednesday and Saturday. And that goes directly to Atlanta. So you have that. So in terms of quote unquote brand loyalty or dealing with any one airline, American Airlines was that for me. So take us back, take us all the way back to little baby Inquinet. And well, maybe not baby, but just young. <laughs> so you say you have <laughs> as far baby. back as I could remember. <laughs> right. Not not in the womb. We don't need to go back that far. 
but um just like you said that you weren't always like this very bubbly person what was your what was your timeline like um I was always bubbly I wouldn't say it wasn't bubbly but I'm bacchanalis and I'm bubbly boss and it's two different things <laughs> but being bubbly I was always as as again as the only girl I I kind of stood out in that sense because I was built different and I was I was just different but I loved school I loved getting A's on tests I liked the praise of of write I, I wrote from a very young age like I, I remember being in second and third grade and writing little letters and essays about why you do love St. Croix what's the most beautiful thing on St. Croix what's your favorite food I always loved writing about those things. And that has it's crazy because I didn't think that that love could turn into something that I do for a job at this point in my life. Cuz you know you're always told well my mother anyway, you know you um, put God first, education second, make sure you get your high school diploma and your college degree and if you can go for your masters, like go all the way to the top. So education was always a huge priority in my family as well as God it was my grandmother my grandparents were very much into not necessarily into the church because my grandmother was blind so 100% blind she had cataracts or sorry um glaucoma and so she went blind when she was in her 40s or so and her perseverance of being able to still manage and do things without the help of someone like there was no in her, you know home care nurse or something like that she was doing everything herself cooking cleaning you know you name it she was doing it herself um so as a kid i i just saw strength around me in a number of different ways um and i danced i would i danced i sang like my mother had me in every kind of extracurricular activity you could think of because keep in mind she'd raised three boys so i came along and she like i don't know what to do <laughs> me and what to do with this girl so i was in dance i was in drama i was in choir i you know was a camp counselor for discover st croix camp in the summers so i know a lot about st croix and our history and a lot of the just the area if you will and and things like that. So when I take people certain places like I did not know this was here and I lived on St. Croix all my life. That's because I was involved in so many of those things growing up. Um and and yeah, I was I was that was just kind of what it was for me like again, school and education was always a huge piece. And where did this love of travel come from? I would say it comes from my mom. She loves she loves to travel. and i think also with me you know growing up i read a lot and in addition you know to be a good writer you have to read a lot you have to write a lot so i wrote i read a lot and a lot of the books i read was on far flung countries you know paris and london and new york and la and all the and you know they describe what they're seeing they describe the food that they're eating and i just wanted to experience all the things in all the places all over the world and my mom i i want to say the first time i went on a plane i was 10 years old again for some people they're like what that's crazy you were 10 when you went on a plane again i was in the caribbean i there was no need for me to go off island everything and everyone i knew was on st croix so i had to i had no reason to get on a plane 
you know, but my brother was graduating from college. He went to Louisiana State University. So the first place that I ever went to was um, Baton Rouge, Louisiana, when it was cold in December, <laughs> which, was, which was definitely a, a culture shock for this, you know, island, island 10-year-old girls. You had made a post about, because you are just luscious and all things thick, <laughs> if I may, ma'am. That's one, that's the, that's the best way someone has described that to me before. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> this is an affirming space, okay? So that's how I love about. it. Thank you so much. <laughs> but you had made a, you had made a post about how others spoke about your body growing up. And I think that that's something no matter the size that little black girls go through. Go through, yeah. Mm -hmm. um, I was always curvy. So in the post, I wrote that I always had a big bana. In Caribbean, in, in the Virgin Islands, your bana is your butt or your ass. You know, that's that's what that is. And like, why don't y'all get a big bana, my son? That would be the typical response from eight, nine years old. So imagine being that age and people just being so verbal about your body part that you're not even comfortable with. I wasn't even comfortable saying the word bana at that point, you know? So when people, men and women, young and old, would say this to me, I, I distinctly remember being in the fifth grade and this man one of my cousin's friends, he was in high school and he said, well, what kind of chicken you eating? You know, regular 10 year old. I was just like, what does that mean? What? So, you know, that made me think that something was wrong. I'm not your regular 10 year old. So I thought that I was irregular. I had a brother, I have a brother and he, again, out of love, it was, you know, brothers and siblings being who they are. He would call me fatty chica in a joking way, never to make fun of me or poke fun of me. But that coupled with, with how people saw me and spoke to me about my body made me think like something was wrong. Wait, hold on. You know, it was irregular. <laughs> with with all okay. love and compassion, I'm just going to pause for the cause because like that is making fun of you. Yeah. In your mind, it is. I, I, know. I, I know. Yes. I know the way. We are, we are Black people. We are accustomed to giving each other nicknames. And usually those nicknames have something to do with Correct. something Some that, things that you hate the is most. describing a trait, a body, aesthetic, whatever it is. But it is meant to point out the obvious, generally speaking. So like Fatty Chico, while it may have been said yeah. with love, yeah, like it lodged itself in your subconscious and it, it mm -hmm. affected how you saw yourself oh, along with your mother telling you to cover up like like you could ever cover that up correct. <laughs> like, exactly so yeah as I but even at today even in this day and age I'm 30 I just made 35 she's still saying that you know I'm like mom I've I had this you know I've had this body for 35 years you've seen it all this time um so I've had this body you can't tell me to cover it up, where where is it gonna go? <laughs> what should I wear? It you cannot cover it up. I don't care what you wear. I don't care if you only wear moo moos. That body is going to show in one way, shape, or form. One way or the other, correct. Pun yes. intended. So, 
Yeah. <laughs> and that would be, you know, part of that. Would, yeah, it was just a challenge, you know, hearing it. And I just thought, oh, something's wrong with me. Like something's wrong. With, it's irregular for me to have this body. It's irregular for me to, you know, be comfortable in it because everyone always pointed it out. And I would, I remember like not wanting to get up, you know, as kids, you you're in school or you're in the lunchroom or something. And you say you want to get up and go and get a soda or something. I had a fear of getting up and going to get something or buy something or walk across a room because of all the stairs. And that was from a very young age. I still, I still suffer from that. It's better. It's way better now because I'm just like, hello, I have arrived. <laughs> Let me shut across this room. Yeah, y'all watch. Wow. But yeah. <laughs> so, but it took some time. I like all through my 20s, I was in college. And, you know, again, when, when you are, when you grew up on a small island with everybody knowing everybody all the time, when you leave, like I did to go to college, the, it was always important for me to, you know, latch on and connect with people from home. And my friends that I had from elementary school also went to a university that was nearby. We all more or less came to Miami. But I, over time, I realized that they just weren't good friends. You know, but if that's all you know, you're like, I'm just go like, this is what I know. This is what I'm comfortable with. So I'm going to hold on to it. But they weren't good friends. Um, they wouldn't you know, tell you that you look great. They wouldn't compliment you. You know, they would do things like, like, for instance, like I said, I've had I have three brothers. They're very protective. They're super supportive in every which way, shape, or form. When it was my birthday, we'd have a birthday dinner and they would always come for the birthday dinner. Why? Because my brothers would always pay. They're broke college students. You know, it's like, oh, free meal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We going for her birthday, right? But they wouldn't buy a gift. They wouldn't do a card they wouldn't like even bring like a little kid it was just feeling used in a sense so that coupled with the body issues because they were really slim and trim and they could wear the little freakum dress and that wasn't a problem for them to do but I had these body conscious issues so I always felt like I was the lesser friend if that makes sense and it, it was after that relationship, you know, ended is when I really started to come into my own and recognize my worth when it comes to being a good friend, having a good friend and what that looked like. So that's why today my, my friends could tell you, listen, don't nobody hype you up like you, like she to hype you up. If you are down, call her. She got you. <laughs> she got you in every which way, shape or form. And I do that because I didn't have that for a long time. So the friends that I currently have, they get it. Then that's what they did. Not because of what I've had. Like I've never, this, when I did that post, that was the first time I ever even had that story, you know, sharing that with anyone out loud. And my friends didn't know this, but they get it now. They're like, okay, I see why she always hyping people up. You know, it's just, I want to be the friend to others that I never had. And that that was the biggest thing. That is often a solution, right? We show up in the in the world. There are yeah. many ways to respond to the experiences that we have, but one of them is to show up how you weren't shown up for. 
Correct. Yeah. And you come Absolutely. through with a whole lot of strength. <laughs> you know, I try. It's like, you um, know, some days are better than others. Of, but of course, of course. Overall, you know, overall, I just, I just try to think of myself in in a positive way. Like this is the body that God bless you with. There are people who literally die in the quest for your body with all these injections and surgeries that they're doing, you know? So why should I cover it up? Why should I hide it when uh, apparently now it's the thing to have? I've been had it. Y'all just showed up. (laughs) Do you think that looking at little girls' bodies like that is specifically hypersexualizing? Is it of a sexual nature or is it? It is. Yeah. Well, no, it's just, uh, I'm not sure what else it could be aside from hypersexualizing. I would say, I I can only talk from my experience. I, I genuinely don't think that when, that as a kid, when I was that age, when people said those things, that they were trying to be sexual. They weren't saying it like, oh, your band are so big, like, let me get that. It wasn't that way. It was more of, I've never seen no 10 year old girl look like this. That's crazy. How did this happen? Like thinking it through that way, but rather than thinking it through in their head, they're talking out loud. So that's, that's part of it from my experience. What I see in the media and online and out in the open and other places, it's crazy. It's crazy. It's, like seeing beauty pageants and how little girls are dressed up with all the big hair and the makeup and how they have to strut and walk and show off their legs and be sexy at the age of four, five, six. And we tell them that that's the way for you to get scholarships and cars and to be seen as this great person because you have to do these things. You're, You're still relating it back to what you look like and not what's in your head. So from a hypersexualizing standpoint, that has been embedded in us for so long that we don't look at it that way. I feel like it's only recently when people are starting to get woke, like, wait a minute, this, hmm, this isn't cool. Why are you... Right, drawing attention to the body. Yeah, why? Yeah, yeah she's 10. Because I, I believe that, that's why I asked that, because I believe that some people see it as cultural but I don't know if that's being examined deep enough. You know what I mean? It really isn't. I can tell you that much. Like, yeah, it is cultural. Like everybody does it, but Correct. why? Yeah. <laughs> why would you focus on the shape of a 10-year-old child, mm-hmm. a 10-year-old child's body? Well, think of, I think of this when I, um, I can't remember the slave's name, but she was basically paraded around. Like they would send her all around for people to stare at her body, her big breasts, her big hips and her her butt and and everything. And she was placed on display like a circus act. I feel a lot of it is embedded in us from slavery, of us being put on a, a block to be auctioned off. They looked at your features. They looked at how strong your arms are, how tall you were, how sharp you were. If you're big, if you're small, if you're fat, if you're skinny, that's what we were as Black people 
in the Caribbean, in the Americas, wherever slavery was, we were placed on this slave auction and looked at by our physical features. And even bringing that present day, it's like you have these doctors, like you said, who take these features and put them on women who don't have these features. Even Black women go for these surgeries for this type of body, the hips, the butt, the small waist, the breast size and shape even of the breast. Yeah, they go. And I'm sure and, a whole bunch of other stuff. I'm yeah, not, the yeah, thighs. No, right? They're going there for that specific look. Mm-hmm, they're looking for it. And here I am over here like, I, I can't wait. I, I wish I could get rid of some of this backside. <laughs> like, I would love to give you some. And I, w- I would get that so much. I would get women, older women, women who are my age. Oh, my gosh. If I only had your body for one day. If you had it for a day, apparently running into the ground, you know, and <laughs> you would not get that back. That's like if you were okay. car and like, <laughs> okay, <laughs> you just off road, yeah, you just, just run it into the ground. You are, you are all over the place. <laughs> yeah, and and not only that, then you also get. I know I have male friends who was like, "Q, with that body, you should have a house that's paid for. You should be driving the baddest car." You should have X, Y, Z, and these men would give it to you. But you would never. That has never, I would never, I never even, I never wanted that. But it's because you never Never. took pride in your body. These women who go and get these surgeries, like they paid for it. That's the kind of attention sometimes that they want. Mm -hmm. But you've never taken pride in that. You've never been like, yeah, this is the body. Never, never. Just blueprint. You listen, and it, it's uncomfortable. It's crazy that that's what these women crave. For me, it's the most uncomfortable thing. You know, you walk into the grocery store and the person who's checking out the person, you know, 15 feet in front of you is like slowing in slow motion, checking out their, the person because they're staring at you. You cross the street, cars slow down. I have friends who are like, girl, you were walking X, Y, Z, and this man almost crashed into the building over here, blah, 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 like horn blowing this, that, and the other. And it's, and people think that it's, oh my gosh, like I feel so special. No, it's uncomfortable having that kind of a te- unwanted attention. It's to, and I guess that's also the difference, right? These women want the attention, so they create these bodies yeah. and do these things to get it, right? So they want it, they crave it. I leave me alone. Don't talk to me. <laughs> Don't tell me no about my body. I know I look. Like, yes, I know. I know. I know how I, I look. <laughs> I know. I remember being. I'll tell you this. I was at the grocery store refilling my water bottle. So I drink close to a gallon of water a day. So I go through seven gallons of water every week, right, or a little bit over that. Hey, so I fill up my water yeah. bottles because I'm being. You on the show? Conscious. You on the show to talk about a bunch of stuff? You ain't gotta brag about your water intake. I'm sorry. You know I'm my water in the water intake. Hold on. Hold on. <laughs> You know, we we encourage, we uplift, we empower, but you don't have to, you know what I'm saying? Drink your water, guys. That's how you flush out the toxins, get clear skin. But nonetheless, I'm filling up the water. And this guy is standing up as I'm at the machine. Wow. And this is home, so I'm saying to wow, oh my gosh. Well, my peace. Oh my goodness. Wow, that's a barilla. Wow. 
just just doing the most, saying the most. I typically ignore it because I don't have time. I'm not here to engage. It's like, don't look at them in the face because then they want to engage and then you're, you're trapped in a conversation you don't want to be in. He was so extra with it. He was doing the most that when I had, was down to my last bottle, I was like, dude, okay, we get it. I look good. I understand. You want to stop now or you want to just continue? At what point, at what point do you don't think is enough? I'm not going to talk to you. I'm not interested. There's nothing about what you're saying is going to make me want to talk with, to you. So just stop. So he stopped. <laughs> then two minutes later, his girlfriend comes out of the supermarket. Now, if I go and say, miss, you better check your man because he don't seem to understand or X, Y, Z, then I'm the bad person telling she bushy man. You see what I'm saying? It's just, like, it's hard to win. It's either, you know, you have women that look at you but envy you because you have this body, and it's like, you don't even know me. I don't want it. I wish I could give you the body. I wish I could give it to you, and then we wouldn't even have... Like, I wouldn't have it. You wouldn't have anything to be upset about or jealous about. Just just check it. I don't want it. it it's, it's, it's a challenge. You know that's not real, right? Like, even if you had something else, like, yeah. you just trade this set of something for something else. Like, it's always going to be something else. else. Yeah. Like, that's just, yeah. Like, yeah, so it, it's it's this, um, it could get infuriating and frustrating, but I, you know, I kind of put those aside and I, focus more on the positive pieces, right? Like anyone tries to do. So when I did that post the other day, one young lady said she saw me in Carnival from Miami and she was in awe that I was out there with all this body and being positive and just looking great doing it. And I I just thought it was crazy because I didn't even know who she was. Like, okay, hey girl. (laughs) And it's so many people that, follow me for that you know and it's it's interesting because you when I created this cruise and foodie brand it was all about food and travel and you know highlighting the Virgin Islands food culture because you'd be so surprised how many people a don't know that the U.S. Virgin Islands exists b don't know that it's a U.S. territory and that you don't need a passport to travel there and they they've never even learned about it like you had a whole U.S. history class and at no point did they talk about the territories. It's just crazy to me. But that's a reality as to, you know, where we live in right now. But that's why it was so important to me to highlight that. I, I created this whole other genre or niche of people coming to me because of my body, but not in a negative way. Because if you look at my page, you'll notice if anyone follows me on social media, I'm not one to post myself in bikinis you know, you'll see me in my carnival costumes because that's part of my culture and what I enjoy with carnival and the music and the costumes. But you won't see me in little tiny short shorts or, you know, in that, you know, I call it the fashion Nova pose. You know, they stand up with their ass to the the the, the um, camera and their head is turned back and the, the, the toe is pointed. <laughs> you won't see any of those photos of me because like you said, I was I was never the one to highlight that or bring attention to it because I got so much unwanted attention from it already. So to know that there are people who are following me because I embrace my body and what it looks like by working out and wearing the carnival costumes and things like that, that's 
interesting because that wasn't that wasn't part of the plan. But as they say, you want to make God laugh, make plans, right? So I just I just take it all in stride, man. How has that impacted your relationship with food? It hasn't. I love food. So here's the thing. My how I feel about my body and my size and my hips and all that. It's not related to like, oh, I'm fat. Like, don't eat that cookie. Don't have that ice cream. No, I don't. I don't have any issues with being overweight. I just curvy. <laughs> I got a hips and an ass, but you know, I got thighs. They're not good. I have a tiny waist, so I, I never had that. For me, food is food is the one thing that every well, not one, but one of the few things that every single person walking this earth needs. And if you, whether you speak the same language, you're of different color, different backgrounds, different religions, it don't matter. All of us need food to survive. And all of us connect to food in different ways, but it's emotional. For instance, someone from the South might smell, you know, biscuits being baked first thing in the morning and it brings them back to a time in their childhood. For me, when I smell, um, like like Christmas time when I smell like Kalaloo being cooked or Johnny cakes being fried, that brings back a memory. And I, I, feel, I feel like food does that for everyone and whether it's a good or bad memory, but it, it's, there's that connection with food. So I, I always like to highlight that. I love to, to talk about how a food tastes and what it smells like and what it looks like and being as descriptive as possible. So that when someone sees me eating it or hear me talking about it, they can like taste the food <laughs> as I'm talking about it, you know? And that has always been a big goal of mine since starting the Crucian Foodie brand. So going back just a little bit, you went to college for business administration. You got your master's in administration. While you were getting your master's, you actually worked for American yeah. Express. Um, so all of your college and your corporate experience was in America. So like what happened after that? What made you want to start writing? Like I saw you were writing for Ebony and Essence. Like what made you begin to do your food tours and create your companies and create this brand around wellness and food and travel and your Caribbean heritage? For me, <clears throat> when I was working in corporate America, I hated it. Every single moment. Other than the first week, <laughs> I knew it wasn't for me. And from I think what was was really the writing on the wall was my first week of starting at American Express. Like I started that Monday, my grandmother passed away that Wednesday. Now, me and my grandmother and I are were very, very close. Her birthday was two days before mine. They her and my grandfather basically raised me for a large part of my childhood. I was at my grandparents. So when she passed away, it was gut-wrenching. It really was. And for the first few days, you know, they were cool. I got my my um, bereavement time. Like, they give you five days to travel and do all of that. But when I got back, I was supposed to just fall back in line as I was before. There was no grace 
given. And I hated that I could not be myself. I couldn't be human. I couldn't have feelings. I couldn't, it was, it was frowned upon for me to, to feel this way. And so even in feeling this way and my quote unquote productivity, my productivity didn't go down. They just didn't like that I wasn't as engaged as I was before. Well, no, my grand, my whole grandmother passed away. Like a piece of me literally feels like it's missing. Of course, I'm not going to come back and be all engaged. And they withhold, they withheld my signing bonus because they're like, your work is great and you're doing all the things, but we just don't feel like you, you really want to be here. Like you're part of the team. And then I had to put on airs. I had to, okay, I got to, I got to turn it off and turn on the corporate America Anchornet. Hi, hi guys. Good morning. How are you? How was your weekend? Oh my God. How are the kids? Yeah. What did he do yesterday? Oh my God. That's so amazing. I don't care. But I had to put on that, that front to get my money. Because I was supposed to get it after being there for three months and they held it. And I didn't get it after, until after five months. Yeah. So corporate America, you know, really did me in from the very beginning. And I left there after five years to work for a smaller company because I thought maybe it was a size that maybe working for a smaller company would be better. And for about a year, it worked because I had an incredible boss. My manager, what, she's like, I don't care what time you arrive. I don't care what time you leave. As long as you do what you're supposed to do, I don't care. And that, that freedom gave me the ability to, do, to be as productive as I possibly can because I was like, all right, I, I, I want to get out of here for four o'clock so I can make it to my workout class here. So I did all the things that I had to do. And when she left, it went, it went downhill. I, I had a terrible manager. I was unhappy and I didn't want to, you know, I just didn't want to be there anymore. And I ended up getting fired from that job. The first job I've ever been fired from ever in life because of time. It was because I took, I got a, I had, I was sick. So I took more sick days than I had allotted. I told them not to pay me. They're like, no, we can't do that. So due to that and just my, back and forth with the manager, they just, you know, built up a case to fire me. I was like, all right, cool, no problem. And I left. And that was in January, 2015. And I have not worked for anyone since. So my corporate America experience post-college, post-undergrad was about seven years. How have you been able to like process the events of your life? Some people say everything happens for a reason. I don't necessarily believe that personally. I believe that things happen and you just try to give it the best meaning that you can to move forward and have the experiences that you want. Well, being rooted, yeah, being rooted in God and, you know, having my grandparents be so much about, you know, God is in control and he knows your, he has plans for you and everything like that. I do have some sense of belief that everything happens for a reason. Like certain things happen in your life to get you to where he wants you to be. And I say that because had I not worked for American Express, I would not have the level of customer service experience that I do right now. 
And as someone from the Caribbean, if you've ever traveled to the Caribbean, you will know that customer service is almost non-existent. (laughs) 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 Like you go to the front, you're like, um, I would like a small, you want a small, medium, a large. Well, how large is a large? Well, large is large. What do you mean? Is it, you want a large or not? (laughs) That's customer service. (laughs) So I wouldn't have had that. If I didn't work for the second company I worked for, which was a food, um, it was called Vitacost. It's, it is Vitacost. They still exist. Um, it, I was a food buyer and I learned a lot about gluten-free and non-GMOs and looking at food packaging to know what ingredients are in it and understanding how to work with brands and how they promote their items. I wouldn't have learned that at Vitacost had I not gone there. and. Had I not been at Vitacost to have been fired, I would not have had a brother call me to be like, listen, you have to do something it, like this is your turning point. So whether it's building, um, you know, wells in Africa or, you know, helping orphan children in Guatemala, you, you, you got to do some sort of changing thing. And that's what led me to go to Spain to learn Spanish. So that's how I could be in a chiropractor's office and the person walks in and no, no habla inglés, and they're like, ah, necesito un médico, and I can say, okay, 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 no problema, espérate, 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 mami, um, la mujer necesita un médico porque todos los información es en el papel, right, so I could butcher through this conversation to help the doctor who doesn't speak Spanish to communicate with the person who does in a very brief moment, you know, and that wouldn't have happened. So long story short, everything happens for a reason to bring you to the point where you are. Because I wouldn't have been doing what I'm doing if it wasn't for all those, all those steps. How has traveling as a Black woman impacted your experiences? Hi, Sue, how could I say, how would I? I think because of that unwanted attention from growing up and people staring or looking or making me feel uncomfortable, I don't notice it as someone who never had that. Case in point, living, I traveled, I lived in Spain, as I mentioned, and then I traveled throughout the UK and the Europe after. And when I lived in Spain, I would be on the bus And I remember this man staring directly at me. Now, the difference with Spain and with other places like the U.S. is that people would try and do it nonchalantly. Like, oh, I'm staring. Like, oh, but then when you look their way, they look up, they turn their their stare. No, not in Spain. That man watched me dead in my face, okay? (laughs) And it um, it was more uncomfortable than I'd ever experienced. Um, and my host mother, because I lived with host families while I was in Spain, she mentioned that she said to me in Spanish that it wasn't because I was black or because they have people who are from Africa that live in Spain and stuff. So it's not about black. She's like, she said, you just have a different look. You don't look like the black people that are here. Your hair is that like they, they're used to braids, but how yours are done looks different your skin tone or how smooth your skin is. She's like, how you carry yourself. It's, you wonder if you're American because Americans carry themselves a certain way, but 
mm, you're not too sure. So, you know, you know, there's something different about you. And there is, you're from the Caribbean. So you're not from the U.S. And you're not from Africa specifically. You weren't born and raised there. So you have something different about you. And that's what intrigues them and makes them stare. I'm like, oh, okay, cool. And from that point, I didn't, I didn't take it on as anything. So if I travel to any place, and I, I don't feel that weirdness because I've, I've had to experience it for so long. So I tend to be oblivious more often than not. Would you mind sharing your self-care practices? Self-care is fitness. That's one way. Fitness and food. <laughs> um, for me, especially during this pandemic, working out has been my saving grace. And if I weren't doing it, I'd be as big as all outside because my other thing that I do is food. And I've become an ex- experienced mixologist during the pandemic because I've been making all my drinks at home. Um, and I was creating a lot of content and things like that. For, so self-care for me is working out, you know, keeping the body in shape, feeding, like having good meals planning a good meal is something for me and um yeah it's not too crazy I I just I just do the things that make me happy which is eating so I have all the good food are any of those practices particularly grounding for you working out it is and the crazy thing is I was never all about working out before I just did it because I wanted to stay in shape and I didn't want to get big like all outside. I wanted to maintain the sexy. Um, but for me, when I work out and I sweat a certain way or I accomplish something, I lift something heavier than, than before, or I run a further distance, that, that accomplishment just kind of, it sets the tone for everything else in my life in terms of you can, you can accomplish anything that you put your, put your mind to. It's hard. It takes work, but you can do it. So it, it tells me that. Then that's a grounding for me. I can I can literally accomplish anything I put my mind to. Also, just a side note to our listeners from Black Women Travel Podcast to you. You can be big as all outside and be sexy. <laughs> you can. That's just from you me. You can. You can. Yes, I was not. Yes, I was not taking that away. Um I, again, growing up, that that's is also part of the cultural thing, right? Because someone's like someone saying that is a regular thing to say. You you come home and you're like, "What girl? You put the ass on weight, boy." So of course that 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 tells me growing up as I always was, I don't want that to be the conversation when I go back home or when I run into someone I haven't seen for a while. So maintaining my size or working out to stay fit or to look a certain way has just been it granted if i were to get bigger which i have that don't stop me from being sexy i'm I'm, i still got it don't get it twisted (laughs) who is your favorite soca artist oh why are you doing that to me you know i'm friends with some of them um Favorite soca artist. I have a dry. I can't talk. I'm gonna give it to him, Kerwin Dubois. He's he's my favorite in terms of songs that I connect with, that I play all the time, that speak to me, but also make me whine and get on and jump around. 
his music does that. And I was, of course, of course, Marshall Montano, who is like the Michael Jackson of, of Soka. His music does the same. His lyrics and the ability for him to, you know, make something sound so incredible and, and, you know, emote a certain feeling when you hear those words. It's great. And then Kestaban. So Kess, I'll give you guys a little inside story. Whenever I would see Kess, I, he had dreads initially. He had locks. And whenever I would see him, I would always say, you know, you're the only Rastaman I love. Because I'm not a big dreads person, but I saw them on him. And that was, so he would, whenever he always saw me, he, he always remembered me because of that light. But then he cut them. And I like, what am I going to tell you now? He like, I, I still are Ras. It just, the dreads just gone. So I still tell him that <laughs> whenever I see him. But his music is also another one. It's feel good soca. You can't listen to Kess and have a bad day. And music is a huge, it's always been a huge thing for me, but specifically soca music. It, it provides a feeling that is indescribable. And it's only when you hear it and you're in the middle of a party with a drink in your hand, surrounded by people, I don't know what it's going to look like post-COVID, <laughs> but there's something about that music that just runs through your veins and charges you in a way that nothing else can do, even without the alcohol. The endorphins on the music alone, you'll get that. And that's what Kessa's music, Kessa music does. All of them, actually. Is there a specific song, lyric, or a poem that speaks to you these days? I have a couple. Um, they're, they're older songs. So the one that I always remember, the lyric I always remember and I kind of meditate on is from Jay-Z on his volume two album. The first song is called The Dream. And it features Faith Evans, and he includes Biggie, the, his um, first, um, his first, um, what's the word? Not chapter. The first, the first part of his song, Juicy. And in it, Biggie comes to him in a dream, and he tells him, "Nobody built like you. You designed yourself." You know, because Jay Z's talking to him like, "Why are you dead? Like, why are you not here?" And um, Biggie tells him, more money, more problems, better believe it, you said. Be careful what you wish for, you might receive it, he said. And Jesus says, I see, I said, jealousy, I said. Have the whole industry mad at me, I said. Then B, I said, hold, remind yourself. Nobody built like you, you designed yourself. And Jesus says, I see, I said, my one of a kind self, getting stoned every day like Jesus did. But he said, I said, has been said before. Just keep doing your thing, he said. Say no more. And that is like, I get goosebumps like saying it over because you are you because you are who you are. There's no one else in this world like you. There are billions of people on this earth and you can design yourself to be whatever it is you put your mind to. No one else has the power to do that. And that is such a, it's such an overwhelming thought to know that I have that much power to make my life or make myself who I want myself to be. So that's number one. Um, the other one is from Lyrical. It's a song called Cloud Nine. You know, whenever I'm having a bad day or I'm, you know, just not in a good space, I put in my AirPods or my Beats because, you know, it's noise canceling and I listen to the song and it's basically he's saying, like, you have one life to live. 
like you know that, that's really that's the the crux of it oh lord i high celebrating life and when i wake up in the morning don't tell me about last night and if you take a picture don't tag me on no site i can't waste the um I can't predict the future, so I'm taking it for flight. That's why I live in for tonight on cloud nine and just telling you, live in the moment. Like, don't worry about who taking picture. Don't tag me on no site. I'm not worried about what you point on Facebook or on Instagram because this moment right here, hearing this music, being with these people, drinking this drink, seeing this performer, that is what I'm living for. So live in the moment. Nobody's built like you, and those are my my two takeaway songs that I listen to on a regular basis. I have some other regular ones too, but those are the those are the two main ones. I gave y'all a whole concert. I'm sorry. <laughs> what has helped you to face your challenges along the way? Um, my my um my circle. I have. I have been blessed with a circle of people that help me in so many ways, ways that they don't even know that they help me. That has been one of the biggest ways that I get through a lot of the things. And my family unit is strong, strong, like we just say, it's strong back. (laughs) My brothers are super supportive. My eldest brother will always say that I'm, he's like, you know, you're going to be the richest one out of all of us. I'm like, yeah, we need this to hurry on up because it's taking a minute. (laughs) But my family unit and my circle of friends, it might be small, but it heavy, you know? And and, and I I love that about about who the people I've had around me because I've been able to create that. That the people around me are for me, they want to see me win. I want to see them win. And there's no hesitation to do whatever it is I can to help them achieve whatever it is they're trying to achieve. How have you been able to find those people? I mean, the family is obvious, but. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, being extremely discerning um, and being hurt a lot and putting my trust in the wrong people for some time. You, you know, you learn from mistakes and that's really what I've been able to do. So over time, I get to see what traits people have that I like or I don't like, what I know to be, what traits people have that makes them good people, good friends, you know, supportive people to have in my circle. And crazy enough, some of those people, I've known them all my life, but it's only as we got older, I've been able to create these connections with them. One of my best friends, I've known her since high school, but when we were in high school, we are just friends in passing. Oh, hey, what's up, Ari? But as we got older, she was living in the UK and then she invited, she was like, hey, when you're in, when you're in Spain, in case you know, you're feeling homesick or anything, you can always come and visit me in London. I have a flat, there's an extra room, you're more than welcome. And from there, we've been thick as thieves, you know? Um, and, and seeing, having that kind of connection with people and knowing what, what has been good and what hasn't been good, you just, over time, get to, you know, filter out the bad from the good. A lot of times, you know, 
Black families are not supportive of creative endeavors. They don't believe it to be stable. They want you to have that good corporate job. They want you to have your benefits. They don't want you to struggle. And they don't want you to move back home. So... (laughs) (laughs) Well, and then then I I enter the room. Hello. (laughs) Right. What has what has that been like? What was that conversation like when they were like, hold on. So you mean you're not going to live and work in America anymore and you're going to sell bush tea? Like, hold on, where, where, Yo, wait a minute. Listen, it has taken some time to get here. I'm going to tell you that. Um, you know, my mother is like, just everything that you described, that's my parents. You know, they're like, wait, wait, you work for American Express. My mother loved telling people that. Obviously, because American Express is a worldwide recognized brand. And, oh, yeah, she works for American Express. It's a Fortune 100 company. Like, it's the top 100 companies that people want to work for. She loves telling people in church and all that kind of stuff. So I come back home, and she's like, oh, my God, yes, you're having a business. That's great. Wonderful. But then she don't see me leaving the house. Like, what are you doing in there all day? Who are you talking to on the phone? You're not doing the walk. Like she would literally tell me I'm not doing anything. And when I started doing the tours, so then she's physically seeing me walking through town, leading people. She's seeing the reviews online. She's having people in the community tell her that they saw me, right? So then she's like, oh, all right, I guess she is working. And then when I would show her an article online, whether it's through Essence or Ebony or, you know, Marriott Destinations or whatever it might be, she's like, oh, okay, that's nice. All right. So then I started to be more tangible. Because before, as a creative, it's hard to be tangible, right? Like, obviously, what we create is tangible, but they're not seeing the process. They're not seeing the, the, the nights being up trying to figure out stuff on your your computer and why is this iMovie why is this not working in iMovie <laughs> they're not seeing that part of the process um it's only the the end product and it sometimes takes a while to get there yeah but she um it it, it took some time it took some time i think it was also when i started doing events home on St. Croix. so i have what's known as cruise and foodie experiences um it's all about food and drink pairing and just ele- having an elevated um, grown folk experience on St. Croix because there really isn't there, that's a, an area that we're lacking in so I, I feel that or I filled it anyway prior to COVID um, so when she would she came to one event and she saw it and she was like oh wow and then she'd have people like oh I went to your daughter's event and it was so great and we loved that she did this and we loved that it was that again it becomes tangible now and it's it's like okay I see the things that she's doing. I'm seeing her working and moving and stuff like that. And now I, I have goodie boxes. So the Cruise Foodie goodie boxes that, you know, people can't travel as much, but I get to bring the food of my tour and of my island to you in a box that you can purchase online and it's delivered straight to your doorstep. So now she's seeing me finding the lemongrass and getting the bay leaves and the mint and and drying them out and putting them in the sun and looking for rain, where she's like, I'm going to about to rain. Don't forget your bush tea outside. <laughs> so her and my dad have now become part of the process. They've become part of the processes anyway. And now they're part of the team. So now they're seeing like, okay, it's like, we're working, we're working for something. And, and that's what 
I, I feel like a lot of it, they just need to see where it is. Like when they say doctor and they hear engineer and they hear nurse, they know it emotes a certain level of respect from people. If I say, oh, my daughter is a writer. Well, okay. What should I write about? Like food and travel and these things. Oh, that's it. You know, it's hard for her to explain it or 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 put it in words for people. But now she goes like, oh yeah, she has the goodie boxes and she has the tours and she'll do the events and it's all these things. <laughs> it's bragging. A lot of it is a bragging thing because you, they, you know, they, they she carried me, birthed me, raised me up. And now all you want to do is, is write book. That's it. No, you need to do something that's more meaningful, more purposeful in your life. But it's, it's a cultural thing, man. It, it really is. When you do travel, I'm sorry to bring this up, but <laughs> when you do travel, how do you like to explore? I explore through food. It's always number one. Before I go to any destination, I'm already looking up what are the top restaurants in the area, what people are saying about them. I go on YouTube. I look at videos. I am, I'm about food. That's my first way. Um, and I want, always want to go in an area that's, you know, that's walkable so I can walk around and, and dip into different spaces and areas and get to know the people that live and work there. Cause I don't want to just go to the tourist places. I want to talk to the bartender that's in that little hole in the wall spot and chat with him about what it's like living there and where the good places to check out and what are some things that most people who visit miss. I, I want to have those conversations and that's how I explore when it comes to traveling. It's connecting with local people. How do you like to celebrate? I sell is it terrible that I always thought it all goes back to food. <laughs> <laughs> truly that's like 98 of people of yeah. every time i ask black people well the black women on yeah. the show love food <laughs> that's, that's how i celebrate you know i for instance i my birthday this year obviously i didn't get to travel so i made the most of it home on st croix and i had a bottle of champagne that i bought when i was in france the year before for my birthday and I was like, all right, well, this is it. We pop in this bottle. And I celebrated with this glorious bottle of champagne that I was keeping for a year. And for me, that was the ultimate part of the celebration. You know, being around family, it was my parents and my one cousin and my one of my best friends. And it was just us celebrating with cake and champagne. And, and that was that was great for me. I'm not one to buy myself stuff. But, you know, you know, some people they want to buy a new purse or buy a new outfit or for me experiences. So that's how I celebrate by giving myself a new experience, whether it be a foodie experience, whether it's going on a hike or an excursion that I've always wanted to do, whether it's parasailing or, or staying in a really nice hotel, but giving myself an experience to relive because I can have the bag. And then after a while, it's just another bag that I have. It's another pair of shoes that I have, you know, but when I remember like, oh man, I remember when I stayed at the Buccaneer and I had, you know, the room service and they came and they laid it all out and it was so great, blah, 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 you know, that's it. That's how I celebrate. It's with experiences. And Anquinette, I always like to have guests share for listeners who would like to, how can they support? few ways, a follow, you know, following me is such an interacting reading my blog you know things that cost very little 
is one one of the biggest ways to support. And I remember seeing a meme floating around like, you want to support your small business, but you don't have the money? Like, write a review, read a blog post, share it. Because the more people that are learning about what it is that I do and how I connect with people and interact with them, that is how I grow. And that's how I get better. If you got money, hello, you know, <laughs> you can purchase one of my Cruisian Foodie goodie boxes. Um, and it is a combination of great items like the foodie items all throughout St. Croix. It's made on St. Croix. All of the items are made locally and it's basically the Virgin Islands in a box. So the upcoming box, you have you get gooseberry stew, which is a popular fruit that we have, pepper sauce, our local pound seasoning, which it's basically you, you can put it on everything. I put it in eggs, fish, everything. It's our our best, one of our best sellers. Um, bush tea, butter cookies, um, and our fruit tarts, right? So that box is $59. It ships anywhere throughout the continental United States and our territories. Um, so that's one way. Um, I have a book. When I turned 30, I wrote a book. It was called Blink or, you, or You'll Miss It, 30 Life Lessons in 30 Years. It's on Amazon. You can purchase it via Kindle. It's $3.99. And it's a short little read that if you enjoy the podcast and what you're listening, it's an extension of that. I offer some of my life lessons that I learned, which is, you know, why it's important to travel and why you should you know, connect with your, your past and learning more about your parents and, you know, cherishing them while they're here and staying in your financial lane and, you know, stuff like that. So I have 30 of those lessons that I've shared. Um, so that's another way. And if you know of any brands that like a really nice bubbly personality, send them my way, <laughs> give them my information. It's also, it's always a nice, great way just being able to connect with brands and show how my personality and what I do can is multifaceted, right? It's not only for black people. It's not only for Caribbean brands. It's not only for, I don't fall into any one category. I can connect with whoever, wherever, however, because of I'm myself, my, I'm my true authentic self. I want to thank you so much. I'm going to link all of those resources in the show notes so people can connect with you and thank you Excellent. for sharing your story thank your you vibrancy <laughs> and being so open about your experience oh no it was such an incredible time I'm happy that you you know reached out and I was able to be here and have this conversation and, and you know I feel a lot of people you know, shun or try not to have these conversations because they feel vulnerable or that people are going to see them in a certain way. But these stories help so many people and it lets people know that they're not alone. They have other people that are going through the same things and don't let social media fool you because these folks are showing you the best part of their lives. Then you have you folks that are like me that show you the good and the bad, you know, so you're not alone. Share your story whether it's if you want to do it, you know, on a large platform or even if it's, you know, small ways, but share your story because the things that you've gone through will help someone. And shoot, it can help you too, right? Looking back, a lot of times we forget. Yeah, very true. Very much so. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very true. Saying, and saying these things out loud. Absolutely. I think, um, like you said, it's so helpful. Well, we will see you on these internet streets, Miss Anne. Yeah, you have yourself a gorgeous day. 
Same to you and joy. It was a pleasure. I can't wait to continue hearing even more of the episodes and all the incredible women that you invite to this platform to share their stories. Um, it's, it's absolutely incredible. And I'm happy that, that you have this platform to do so. We need more of them. Well, thank you. All right. You take very good care of yourself. Same to you, Wanda. Thanks so much. And to everyone else, I'll see you guys on the internet street. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. Bye-bye.